Welcome. You're on air with Ella, where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better. Start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella, and today I am joined by my friend, Corrine Phelps. I'm super excited to introduce you to Corrine for so many reasons. Hey, Corrine, how are you? I'm doing so well and super excited to be here. I know we've chatted about doing this for some time now, and it's actually happening despite my best efforts to screw it up at every turn. (laughs) (laughs) Worth the wait, worth the wait. You guys, Corrine will introduce herself and tell us who she is and what she does. But I want to tell you she's here for two reasons. One is because Corrine is a specialist in something called hypno breath work, which we will talk about. And of course, I will have Corrine explain to you. But also because we wanted to continue our conversation about making friends as an adult. And I'm, I really wanted to have a conversation instead of a monologue. So I'm ready for a dialogue on this topic and round out this conversation with kind of our last show on this for the near future, for the immediate future. But Corinne, for now, can you tell us who you are and what you're about? Yeah, well, Corinne Phelps from the Washington, D.C. area. And I am, you know, it's really funny when you try to like put yourself into a label of, mm-hmm. of things because we have like so many intersections of of what we what we do and what we're about. But I am definitely someone who is all about performing at the highest level, but with out all of the stress and anxiety that comes along with that and how I bring that forth in what I do is I'm a nervous system expert. I'm a hypnotherapist and a breathwork facilitator and all of that blends together to be someone who really just helps you perform better on a mental level so that you can show up in your life, in your business, in your relationships and do so with a sense of ease and joy. Well, we could all use a little bit or a very lot of it of that. (laughs) We have so much to talk about, but Corrine, when I first met you, well, not when I first met you, but one of the first projects that we did together was I was holding a women's retreat for a company with Tilly Harris, who you met, and you came in and you led us in a hypno breathwork session. First of all, can you please explain what do we mean when we say hypno breathwork? What does that mean? Well, hypnobreath work takes three really powerful modalities and puts them all together into one very efficient experience because that's like my middle name is if how, how can we do something in a more efficient, expedited way? And so it's breath work blended with hypnosis and visioning. So we flood the body with oxygen. We open the door to your subconscious mind. We move out of the way, any of the stuff that's in the way. And then we fire up these new neural pathways with the act of visioning, which happens because of neuroplasticity plasticity in the brain and by visioning that it makes all of the things that you want to do in the 3D waking world much easier because your mind doesn't know the difference between imagined and real. What got you into that? I've never asked you that. Well, a multitude of different things. So I, you know, I started with hypnosis, which was really, uh, I ended up doing that because of wanting to support my clients in really getting out of their own way. And hypnosis was a very effective way of doing that. And I started using it for myself and I found a lot of 
shifts and transitions in my life happen much easier and much more quickly. And then someone introduced me to breathwork and it completely cracked me open. And I decided to do a hypno breathwork training once I heard about it. Cause I was like, oh, it kind of blends all the things that I'm already doing. And it completely blew my mind. And for me, really, it was during a time in my life when I was experiencing massive burnout. I was experiencing a lot of anxiety and I'm typically someone who you would look at and not think that I worry. I'm like super laid back. And I was just off the charts, like completely in my like stress state, sympathetic at that point. And when I went into this breathwork certification, everything shifted and changed for me. Yeah. I sort of famously don't engage in timeouts and breathwork and meditation. (laughs) Not great at that. And I learned so much from you when we chatted about this the first time, because you were telling me one of the things, the impact of breathwork on HRV. And can you tell us as much or as little about that as you want to? And first, I guess I should say HRV is heart rate variability. Can you give us the basics of HRV first? I actually think that would be useful. Yeah. So HRV is essentially how your body interprets, manages, and responds to stress. And it's a an index that shows you that. And so it's the space between your heartbeats, essentially, is really what it is. And what we want is to have this big oscillation. So typically, when we're looking at numbers, we always you know, we're wanting like lower numbers for things usually when we're talking about our health, but HRV, we actually want that number to be higher. The difference is we, we don't, we can't remove stress, right? Well, you can't, you, it's just impossible and we wouldn't really want to, but what we want to do is to increase our ability to just not let stress break us down. You want to, to be able to be resilient in the face of stress. And that is a, a byproduct of doing breath work is you start to become more resilient. You are able to expand your HRV and you expand your body's capacity to handle, face, manage. And in the, like in the midst, in the thick of it, it's not really even like a bounce back. It's actually to stand with strength and resilience in the midst of it, in the midst of the storm. Well, my aura ring, which I have been very open on the show that I'm not pro or against aura ring, I'm not promoting them yet. Like I have very mixed reviews about it, but my aura ring does measure my HRV and it tends to yell at me every day that I download my scores. (laughs) It's like, we can do better. And part of it is fussing at me for not leaving enough time for recovery. And the other part, big part of the equation is it's not, I'm not engaging in enough downtime. I'm a shallow breather. I spend a lot of time just moving and not sitting and not breathing down deep into my diaphragm. Like I know these things about me. And you know what? As it turns out, awareness is not sufficient, Corinne. You actually have to do something about it. You told me that you engaged in some really immersive breathwork course or process and it the impact that it had. I don't know if you're saying in on average the impact that it had on HRV or the impact that it had on your HRV. So it impacts, it's a basically it's HRV training. It's breath work training for HRV, which is different than hypno breath work. And I did it. It was a 10 week program and it was completely changed, expanded my HRV. And there's these crazy other like little nuances that you can infuse into it to even increase it, it more and expand your, your well-being. And so it's, called resonance breathing. It's a big commitment. I'm going to preface this. It's 20 minutes in the morning, 10, 10 weeks. And it's twice a day, 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes in the evening. But what I can tell you is 
It is life-changing in terms of your HRV and how you manage stress. And while I don't do it twice a day, really any longer, I do do it once a day. And if I Mm. fall off of the wagon of doing it, I notice not just on my, you know, my wearable, I use a whoop. I also have used a, an aura ring, but I, those numbers start to change and you can see them going down. I also notice different things like in my physiology, my stress state, and then my response to like my reaction to, so I'm like much more edgy and it's like pronounced. And then when you can match it to the data points, it's really interesting. I would love to do a deep dive on this, but you and I have joked about this in the past, like doing a show on hypno breath work or HRV training or how to breathe. It's going to be like a very quiet show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That we're going to put everybody to sleep. They're going to be like, <laughs> so I have a suggestion. I should have asked you this before I called you out on the air, but can we link to one of your works so that people can download it and they can listen to it and engage with you? Absolutely. I have a flow state hypno breath work and I would be thrilled to share it with you. Okay. Okay. We'll do that. But I have one more question on the subject before we move on. And that is, even though we are not going to do an entire show on breathing, Corrine, can you give us some tips for how to breathe properly? Because I confessed on the air to being a shallow breather. I'm not proud of it. And I actually don't know some practical ways to fix that just kind of throughout the day. So what advice would you give to someone like me? Oh, well, I would first tell you if you're noticing that your shallow breathing is check in with your posture because it really affects our breath. And maybe a tip on remembering to do that would be to set some reminders on your phone, you know, have it go off like every two hours or so to do a check-in. But for just a a breath in terms of like getting deep breath in, you're just going to breathe for a five count really deep into your belly And then exhale out through your mouth for a five count. (sighs) Anything longer than that is totally fine, but five is adequate. Sometimes when we like extend it out to a seven and eight can be really hard, but I would just start with a five count in and a five count out. And if you're in a really crazy stress state, I will tell you that the easiest way to transition out of it is through a seven, 11 breath, which means that you're going to inhale for seven and out for 11. And that will 100% completely change the channels for you. I do do that if I'm having trouble sleeping and it works really well. And a little like fun fact and incentive for to really focus on checking in on your breath like that. When we are shallow breathing, you're actually activating. We have sensors that are in the top of our chest and then down at the bottom of our diaphragm. The ones in the top of the chest, when we're really only breathing into our chest, actually tell your body that you are basically should be in fight or flight, that you need to run, you need to run from the bear. And so you are going to be releasing more stress hormones. And essentially in that like, oh my God, the bear's chasing me kind of mode all of the time versus when we start to breathe down into the belly, then it sends off the alarms to your to your system to go, oh, it's cool. We can chill out now. It's okay. I tend to counter that shallow breathing with like four or five cups of coffee. <laughs> oh yeah. That's totally counterbalancing. <laughs> It's like gasoline on the fire. (laughs) Today's episode is brought to you by a listener and their five-star review. You know, if you leave a five-star review, I will read literally whatever you say on the air. So here we go. 
Five stars from Tosh Hugs, who says, Ella, you are so kind and I've really seen changes in myself after following through with so many of your guests. Ella has expanded my mind and taught me to be healthier. Ella is a liaison to your better self. By the way, if you ever want to visit an Ella community member, come to Big Bear, California and stay in my B&B. My Instagram handle is hosting by Tosh. Ella, you'll be very welcome here when I start retreats. Thank you for all that you do and the work it takes to show up for all of us. That was read to you by DJ Curtis J, London's finest. Thanks, Curtis. Corey, the other reason I wanted to have you on, we've been talking a lot lately about the importance of connection and friendships and the truth about how challenging it can be to make friends as an adult. Can I get an amen? Oh my, amen. (laughs) Okay, tell me, this is a fun, I've never asked this question before in my life, but like, what's your relationship with friendship as an adult? Do you know what I mean? Like, what's your journey been like in this area of your life as an adult? I'm going to share the real, real here. Yes, um, please. Because I am a like a lean back kind of observer kind of person. And when I'm in the mix, you would probably be like, oh my gosh, you're like so outgoing and like chatty and all of the things. But a lot of times going into new situations, I am very much of a like, I'm just going to lurk back and observe what is going on here. And so making friends in your adult life can definitely be a challenge. On top of that, I also had a child when I was really, really young. So it's kind of like I've navigated all through life, never quite fitting into the circles that I have been in being a, you know, 22 year old with parents that were all in their like fifties at that point, late forties and early fifties. And they all thought I was the nanny and the help. And so, or trying to like steal their husband. Honestly, that was the dynamic when Jordan was in school. And so making friends with parents, which is what happens in that era of your life was really, really hard. I need to understand this picture. So you had your daughter, Jordan, when you were 22, I had her when I was 20. Okay. So you're 20 years old. So then you have a toddler, you're 22 years old. You're just hot as shit, and, and you can't make friends because they're like, you stay away from my man or they think you're the nanny. Have I got that right? Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly what was happening. And then of course, like my friends from when I had like was in college, they were like, uh, we have nothing in common with you anymore. Like, Hey, how are you doing? But we're not inviting you to come hang out. Cause I'd be like, ah, oh, there's like, I'm leaking on my shirt, my breast milk here. <laughs> Pardon me, I need to go pump in between shots now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, this was a long time ago because my daughter is now about to turn twenty four. But, but this has really been the, I think, the kind of journey. And then when you go into entrepreneurship, it's also a very isolating, and so you're kind of in this world of doing all these things by yourself, and then in circles. I don't know. It's just been a really, it's been a really complex thing, I feel like. And and then you also, if you're an entrepreneur and your group of friends isn't an entrepreneur, they also think you're completely crazy. So that's also difficult. Not Conversations are not typically resonating. And so it's, I'd say my entire adult life, I've had plenty of friends, but I feel like I've been lacking in you know your just core group of people that gets you. Oh, so relatable to me. So one you've touched on so many different themes. And one of them is just feeling a little bit like the outlier. And ironically, I 
think so many of us feel like the outlier. You know, by definition, that can't be true. But I certainly have felt that and not for the exact same circumstances that you describe, but so relatable. The second thing is like, who has the time to prioritize this when we're busy with other competing priorities, right? And I have even said that like reaching out and trying to make social connections, besides being a vulnerable thing to do, besides taking time that you oftentimes feel like you don't have, it also can feel self-indulgent in the same way many women make anything that is good for us we characterize it as self-indulgent or even self-focused, dare I say, selfish in some way. And, and and I actually now realize that having a community and having friends and having people you can laugh with and be like just truly you with is essential to a robust life. It's not essential to survival, but in my opinion, it's completely essential to thriving and to actually having like the fullest, best life. Oh my gosh. Ab- absolutely. Well, I think that the way we met, because we're friends off air, I think the way that we met is actually like, there are some, there are some takeaways that we, (laughs) so we met, I've interviewed Dr. Kinga Manish on this show before. And I just want you to know when I interviewed Kinga, I had never met her before in my life. We were not friends. And I think we like two weeks later, we're in business together. And I don't remember not knowing Kinga. But anyway, I did not know Corrine. And yes, I keep calling her Corey, because that's what I call her. But I'm sorry, Corrine. We'll just shift here. Call me Corey, right? That was a, we can, uh, we'll save the funny story as to why I go by Corrine now uh, for another day. Okay. Sounds good. But Kinga, this, there are so many good lessons in this. Kinga throws out this invitation to a bunch of random women who do not know one another. And she's like, come to my house for the weekend, tells us nothing else. I don't know about you. I knew absolutely nothing. In fact, I thought it was a board meeting for the nonprofit that we're, that we work on together. I, I packed for a board meeting. I thought I was going to a board meeting over the weekend because we're all super busy. I was so wrong. Kinga just randomly invited a bunch of women to her home for the weekend. And by the way, it was in Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It is so true, right? I didn't know really anything about it all other than like, these are the dates you need to like get here and be here. But what made you go? I'm not sure. I think my intuition was like, okay, I, you know, Kinga has this like commanding kind of presence that she just is like, you're going to be my friend. And we're going to have this whole like women who really support each other. And it's the truth. And she's just kind of this cool person. And I was like, there's probably going to be a lot of people there that are way smarter than me. And so I need to get in that room, essentially. (laughs) I love it. I love that we all had absolutely no idea what was going on, what we were doing. And most of us went, most of the people that she invited went. Okay. The reason this is important is because Kinga's doing something that I encourage us to do. She's throwing out the invitation and seeing who comes. And frankly, I think that's a vulnerable thing to do. And maybe that's just me, Corey, but to me, that takes some, you know, takes some initiative and some willingness to get some nose back, some willingness to subject yourself to rejection. That sounds like such a dramatic thing. Thing to say, but the truth is, when you if you throw out ten invites and two people say yes, like that hits different. It, yeah, it does. I mean, I get upset when people don't respond to my email. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not either. <laughs> so the other thing that this demonstrates is in throwing this invitation because it felt random to us, but it wasn't random. She invited a bunch of women who she knew were truly interested in uplifting one another and who would 
Jill. And that is actually a little bit of a tricky subject. Now, if you're wondering why I'm still talking about this weekend, you know, it's actually, it's an analogy. It's an example. And if you told me five years ago, hey, I'm going to send an invitation for you to come to Kentucky, no offense, with 10 women you've never met before in your life. Like, there's no way I would have said yes. Like, it sounds like my worst nightmare, actually. Honestly, like I was really, I had beliefs about friendship with women, Corey, that I, a narrative I had created that started with experience and and lived experiences of my own, but then became a story. It became a belief. Is that relatable to you at all? And can you like reflect back to me with that? What hits for you in what I've just said? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Because I think we all have these wounds, these like friendship wounds from earlier in our lives, whether that was in junior high to college to in our 20s, when we're all just kind of trying to figure ourselves out and didn't know how to communicate. And so we had those wounds and then we carry them into our adult life and we project them onto these experiences. And then we create the story. And when we when we create a story like that, then we usually create a self-fulfilling prophecy of said story. So I definitely can resonate with that within so many different ways when you take things personally, when you're trying to make a new friend. Yeah. Well, I don't know if this is controversial or like a provocative thing to say, but I used to think women were tricky. You know what I mean? Friendships with women were tricky. And my belief now is that women aren't tricky. I mean, I have just amazing experiences once I opened my mind up to be changed about this and and let my belief go and decided to try to have new experiences. My working hypothesis is that insecure women are tricky. And it's a Mm -hmm. very different animal trying to be friends with somebody who's still working through some stuff than someone who has spent a little time on growth and being open and truly wanting the best for her friends. For me, the difference is when you you have lots of friends, right? And there are some people that you can tell a success to. It can be tiny or it can be big. And you tell a success to them and they light up for you. Mm-hmm. And there are other people in your circle who you can share a success with, big or small, and the light goes out for them, like something dims in their eyes. Do you ever have that experience? Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's the the thing that drives this, um, you know, kind of some of these stories that we have, right? Because we ended up being in rooms or friendships or situations with a lot of different women that are like that, right? So someone, there's this competition or there's not enough of the pie to go around. Your success somehow diminishes their success. And so then you start to feel like you can't share things about yourself. And when we share less, then we're not building friendships, right? We're just building more surface relationships and who needs more of those? Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the bar for me now. One of my key sort of priorities in trying to build relationships now, though, is I look for that particular red flag really early because I am not going to invest in a relationship with someone who at the end of the day doesn't want the best for me. And it's not because it's about me. It's because I truly want the best for them and have a genuine relationship. It has to be reciprocal. Have you had to do any culling in your experience as you yourself have become a better friend? My gosh, I absolutely, absolutely have. And I think in a different, like the first story that I feel like the one that like that comes up for me initially isn't even, it wasn't like a non-mutual energy exchange like that, but what it was 
was her energy brought mine down. So we have people that might be in support of us, but then also they only bring negativity to the the table, whether it's like constantly complaining about different things or I don't know. And so I just started to realize that if I was leaving a situation with anyone and I felt negative, I don't know, I'm, I'm not being very articulate in this, but if I, if I came feeling a five and I was leaving feeling a four, that it was time to start assessing that a situation because you want to be leaving at least at the same that you came in, if not more. Yeah, now you're hitting on something really important. It's okay when you or the other person in relationship is having a tough time, obviously, but in aggregate, in relationship, shouldn't it be uplifting? Like in aggregate, shouldn't everything we do be trying to explore the best versions of ourselves? I, I don't know. I think I think it's okay to start having parameters the more we learn about ourselves. Oh my gosh, I think it's an absolute must. This is where boundaries and all the things come in. I mean, we all only have so much time. And so where you are allocating, spending, investing your time is of the, it's, it's critical because literally our life is just comprised of how we spend our time. When you reach adulthood, there's this moment when you start to realize that there's no more like, I have to do this. It's I get to do this. And so if I get to do it, I'm going to choose to do it with the people that I choose to do it with versus like, uh, this is this thing I have to do. Yeah. If I had a takeaway message here, I would just say that I personally spent many years sort of wayfaring as one does through friendships and relationships. And and by the way, I was a complete schmuck to people. I was insecure when I was a teenager and in my 20s. And I definitely like, I don't know about you, but what I saw is when girls and women were threatened by something or intimidated by something, a lot of times it came out as snark or nastiness or something in in that vein. And I am not here to pretend that I was above that. Like I definitely evolved through that just like I think most humans do. But at this point, I suppose my takeaway would be that who you spend your time with is it's not neutral at this point. Like it ain't neutral. It's either uplifting you or it is taking something away from you. And I think it's worth a slight audit or a slight reflection at this point. And to not, I don't know, not engage in sunk cost fallacy. <laughs> if there's a relationship in your life that you have just because you've had it for so long. Yeah. I think that relationships sometimes have expiration dates too. And, and it's really okay. And what I think it's is very, this, you know, we kind of have this like analogy of, of dating that keeps coming up in regards to friendships and all these different things. And it's very much the same way. Like we're not doing anybody any favors by staying in said relationship because when we make space when we say goodbye to a relationship, we make space for new ones to come in. And you're also doing the same for them. Like if we decide that we're not going to invest time in a relationship to nurture it anymore because it's not suiting us, all we're doing is freeing up time for them and for us. I want us to answer a couple of questions that people sent in after the last show. And one of them, well, it wasn't a question, but I'm going to treat it as such because she basically said that it's harder for her to make friends because she's not partnered up. In other words, she's not in a romantic relationship. So she feels like it makes it harder for her to show up and to make friends. What do you want to say to her? Well, you know, I can see that because I'm single and I can definitely see there are certain dynamics where if you're making friends with these like couple groups, you won't get invited to certain things because you're 
just this, like, you're not an even number essentially, but I don't think it has to be a a roadblock because you can also still be friends with people who are couples and they will invite you when it's the right friend group, when it's the right people, then I don't think that that's um, a truth. Yeah. I would just encourage this person to maybe have a reflection on this and think, okay, how much of this is true? Yeah. How much of this is true versus how much of this is fear? Is this true? I love that question always. Okay. The other thing I have to say, you have to be willing to show up to places alone. And it doesn't matter if you're married or not. If you want to make friends, you have to be willing to show up to places alone. I mean, we hold these retreats, as you know, you've been to one. I am always amazed that women are willing to show up at something where I do not detail what the agenda is going to be. And they nine times out of 10 show up alone. And then they have one of the most amazing, impactful experiences of their lives. So do I. And each one of us was willing to show up without a plus one. So I just want to say some of my very, very, very best experiences are when I show up as a singleton doing my thing. I actually think that there's something to that too, because I think when you show up alone, even when you are in a relationship, I think you show up in a sense that like a in your power a little differently. Like when we come as a couple, then you're kind of in that space a lot of times of making sure that the other person is okay, if they're how they're navigating the social scene. And so you don't necessarily full feel fully free to explore a room full of people to see who maybe is going to be a friend that you make in that room. It's just a totally different dynamic. Yeah. So anyone who feels like it's harder to meet people, if you're not partnered up, I would challenge that belief. And I would ask you to take a closer look at it. Last thing there, Corey, if you do you have any just brass tacks tips for people who who still might feel this way? And they're like, yeah, easy for you to say, Ella, what are some ways to just throw yourself into things if you are not showing up with your plus one? Uh, I think looking for things that you're really interested in. So maybe participating in maybe like an organized sport. They do that for adults all the time, whether it's like a kickball league, volleyball league, or tennis or whatever your interests are. I think that's a great way to meet people and not feel like you need to be taking a plus one because it's a team organized social event. So I think it takes a lot of the um, awkwardness out of it, or, you know, maybe even at like the gym, anything that you're interested in, I would put yourself into that because then you don't feel awkward if it's something that you're wanting to learn or do or explore. Okay. Next question. Is it harder to meet people? Do you think if you're not drinking or trying to drink less? I had several people say it is harder for me to make friends because I am on a sobriety journey right now. What do you think? I feel like the sober curious life is just exploding. So I think if you feel that way, there's a lot of hope because I think it's all shifting, but I don't know that I don't think that that's actually a a a true situation either, because I think there's lots of different ways and places for you to go and put yourself into the mix for, to make friends. I, I am not speaking to whether this is challenging for you as an individual, meaning if that's something you're struggling with, I'm not suggesting you go throw yourself into the ring. Not at all. That's a completely different question. The implied question here is, do I need to drink to be social? And I would say big, fat, hard no. Like, first of all, there are so many tips and tricks around this one. I mean, I I, I don't I don't drink at business events and I will invariably get something that looks like a gin and tonic and carry it around all night. And it's a club soda with, you know, lemon or lime in it. So there are lots of ways to not stand out as non-drinking, but that's not even necessary. I mean, at this point, to your point, Corey, 
I don't think it's nearly as much of a thing as it used to be. I don't think you're such an anomaly these days. Is that just oh, me? I, yeah. No, I think, I mean, it's totally. I think that's a story we tell ourselves. And I don't mean that the drinking is not prolific in social environments. That it, Like I live in the world. I understand that. <laughs> Like I am, you know, I'm very good to have one drink and coast on that for the rest of the evening. And I still get, you know, I'm in my late forties and I still get people being like, have another one, have another one. And I just don't. And I'm a really good time after one gin and tonic. So I don't need, I don't need to. And I just feel no pressure. So there's no story in my head here. I have no belief that I need to keep drinking in order to be social. It does not exist in my brain. And so I would challenge that narrative to begin with. But if you're trying to avoid places where alcohol is, then Corey, I kind of get it. Well, that I definitely think is actually true. So if you're just completely trying to avoid alcohol in general, it is. I mean, it's prevalent. It's everywhere. So then I think it's, you know, looking for different places. I don't know. I think there's tons of, I think you just have to get creative and, and, and I think you nailed it with the belief piece, right? So I think when we start to check in with, is it a story that we're telling or is it actually true? We will all of a sudden open ourselves up to find lots of different places where that alcohol wouldn't be a factor. All right. Last one. Oh, wait, but this came from you. <laughs> and I quote, every great friendship started with, um, I don't like her. <laughs> Please tell me what you meant by that. So I feel like there is a lot of, like, I have a lot of friends and let me preface this with, because first of all, actually, I have a question to ask you. I've had several different friendships that started that way. And it wasn't that I actually didn't like her. I was, I had the story of I didn't like her because I felt intimidated by that person because they were way more advanced or better at something that I wish that I had been better at, or maybe had a higher degree than I have or a better job or was were more affluent than I am. And so there was like all of these reasons that would make me feel inadequate. And so I would initially have this feeling of like, oh, I don't like her, that like catty kind of like feeling. And then when I sat with it and got really curious, I started to realize that that's what was going on. And so I didn't let those things actually stop me from being friends with those people. And what has turned out is that they were like completely different than I am. And they've been like the the most rewarding, deep, rich friendships that I have had throughout my life. Yeah. I was sure we would not be friends the moment I saw you. <laughs> she was like, eh, I did not like her. <laughs> so I nailed that one. <laughs> Listen, we were, I would like to explain again, we were dropped into these circumstances where we didn't know anybody and you know, you scan the environment for threats and rewards and you know, we're all just animals. We're just primates. And the moment I saw Corey, I was like, she's beautiful. She's put together and she's calm. Like she's not going to want to spend 10 seconds with me. <laughs> oh my gosh. And isn't that funny? Because if I was to ever think that I was put together, I've never thought that a day in my life. <laughs> Well, I have to say that that, that probably dissipated, I want to say, in 15 seconds, because I think, Corey, I don't remember what it was, but we we just cracked a joke about something inside of a minute, and we both like sort of died laughing, and I was like, ah, we're mates. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it, was, it was an energy connection immediately, but if I'd let my brain really solidify before I let my intuition do its thing, then I would have just completely shut the door 
on you, on a friendship with you, because I, w- I had all these, it's all, it's all highly complimentary to you, but it's not complimentary to me. And if I had let my brain shut those doors, like it would have when I was 16, then I wouldn't have you as a friend. But at the end of the day, like it's okay to respond to people in your 16 year old self. I think that I don't think that goes away. Personally, I think that just being an adult and going out into the world adulting as a slightly evolved human is allowing for that, but letting it pass and then using your intuition or trying to connect with somebody human human or making eye contact and making an attempt to connect. And like, that's really all I'm talking about. I'm not saying that we're not going to have these insecurities. I'm not going to say there's no room for that. What I am going to say is to allow ourselves to do that and then move right past it. And to me, that's what growth is. And I think in this pursuit of finding and creating friendships, it's we've talked about this idea of dating. It's it's very similar, right? You have to be able to open yourself up to be vulnerable for the rejection. I mean, if you don't, then we're just going to not evolve. We're not going to have friends. We're not going to have these rich experiences. And so the only way to do that is to just kind of get over yourself. The last time I saw... Corey in person, I want to tell you what I did because I'm I'm practicing what I preach and I just want to share that with you. I threw out a dinner invite and I think everybody that came knew one person there, right? And I just threw out an invite to maybe six people to come to dinner. And that, I mean, Corey, all of us spent like a few minutes. Oh, wait, I remember why we all bonded. Actually, it's all coming back to me now. Everyone was kind of going through this, like getting to know each other phase. And I had the privilege of knowing everybody there. Right. And then they were all getting to know one another. And then (laughs) here's a little icebreaker tip I'd like you to all write down. So I have these French doors in the kitchen. They are open to the backyard. It's fenced in. It's fine. It's no big deal. And everyone's sitting at the dinner table and I run upstairs for God knows what. And I'm I'm gone for maybe 62 seconds. And I hear the most inhuman scream. And I was like, oh, that's bad. I don't know what that is, but that's real, real bad. And so I run downstairs and everyone, there are, I guess, five other women sort of running around doing different activities, screaming because there is a bat in the house, <laughs> a bat. There's a bat and it's flying around the house. And Kinga's got like a broom and is trying to get that bat out of the house. One of our other friends is in the powder room with the door locked, like with a crucifix. And I and Jennifer screaming and like, because <laughs> it flew in her. Anyway, it was exactly what you would want to have when you're having a dinner party. You know what Corey was doing? Corey was sitting at the dining table, looking around, watching the show, going, I was wondering when I should tell you guys that there was a bat in the house. <laughs> instant icebreaker save that for parties (laughs) okay Corey. before we wrap up i wanted to share with people an idea that you and i had so you have a podcast and this community and your community i think would get along quite well so i think in the interest of making friends i think that we should have a get together in the dc area this summer what do you think Oh my gosh, we should totally have a get together. We're just going to throw the invitation out. 
and uh, open ourselves up and see who comes. Yeah. Okay. So if you live within like an hour and a half of Washington, D.C., Corey lives north, I live south, you know, we're going to meet in the middle and we are going to have a meetup in the D.C. area this summer. So you have got to ping me so that you get the email from me. So message me, DM me, email me, whatever you need to do. And Corey and I will, we will combine lists and have a, a meetup and share the details with you. And it would, it'll be worth the train ride if you're in the area. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's look at us walking the walk, talking the talk, creating a situation where people can come in and actually uh, connect and make friends in a fun and easy way. No bets. No bets. I mean, maybe. Also, if you're in the New York area, you can let me know that too, because Corey and I are both in New York quite frequently, and we would be very happy if there's interest to have a meetup in that area too. Good. Ooh, I love that. Thanks, Corey. Yeah. Thank you so much. What a, what a joy and a pleasure. I appreciate you. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and links at onairella.com. There's no with. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.